Hello and welcome back. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, last year we did a uh, bit, or Pastor Merritt did a bit on uh, Mother's Day and the role of the, the mother and the wife. And that's uh, on 5221. If you want to go back and look at the or listen to the streaming audio of that, it's Titus Part 2 on 5-2 of 19, um, 2021. We welcome you back again. Uh, look forward to spending some time with you today. But before we begin, let's remember 1 John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. Okay, so Pastor Merritt, take it away. All right, to publish the class notes of my teaching on the book of the Revelation would be so voluminous. Even the thought is off-putting, but we're going to try. Uh, I thought the unedited conclusion would be not only interesting, but certainly revealing. I hope you find this unveiling helpful in your future studies. Keep in mind, the book of the Revelation is the only book of the Bible that declares a special blessing for the reader and the teacher. The reason is clear. It describes the ultimate defeat of Satan. It is very difficult to tell someone to study the book of the Revelation without comment because uh, the, uh, the book itself has to uh, have the outline explained because it is a little bit uh, unusual and I shall attempt to explain it now. All right, so Revelation outline. Uh, when you think about the Reve book of the Revelation, you have to understand that chapter 1 is simply uh, a declaration on the part of God himself to John. John the Apostle wrote the book of the Revelation. And uh he, uh, of course, is told what he is to do and uh, what he is to say based upon what he sees. That is unusual of unto itself because he will see various things and he is told to look at that and then write and describe the word picture. And that is done in chapter 1. And then we go to chapter 2, where we have uh, a very interesting chart uh, that uh, we will use to explain uh, the various churches. Because in chapters 2 and chapter 3, we have a listing of various churches which are symbolic of time periods as well as events occurring within the church. And I think that uh, this uh, can best be explained by looking at the website where we have the chart itself displayed. But that's, we, on, that's on page six of the outline if you just want to thumb forward for a minute. Again, we mentioned frequently, if you don't have the outline, it's really helpful. 
uh, we encourage you to download that. But you can turn to page six, and we'll come back uh, here in a minute. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Sure. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, but we have uh, the chart listing the churches, and I'll list those right now by name. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And uh, each church has a meaning of the name itself. For example, and a time, and where you can find a description in Scripture, and then some very brief remarks. So let's just start by looking at the first church listed in on excuse me on chapter two. And that church is Ephesus. And not every Bible teacher uh, will subscribe to what we have listed on the chart, but that just proves uh, that we're all a little bit different. Uh, this one is uh, a, uh, well, let's just say a majority view. And uh, we have Ephesus listed, and it covers a time period of 32 A.D. to 100 A.D., so it is the early church. And the scriptures in the book of the Revelation are chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The name Ephesus itself means desired. And uh, under the remarks, I would say it has a fair report because they tried the various people who claimed to be apostles and verified that they either were or were not. And it was a time of sowing and a time of organization and a time of evangelism. And that would be the period 32 A.D. to 100 A.D., recognizing the Lord, of course, went to the cross roughly 32 A.D. And uh, the various apostles began to set up the churches all the way through and unto 100 A.D. Then we have the next church, which is Smyrna, which covers a time period of 100 to 300. The name Smyrna means myrrh, as Ephesus meant desired. Smyrna means myrrh, sweet smell. The scriptures are chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. We have a good report there. The church is persecuted and their true enemy is revealed. Of the Jewish unbelievers. Constantine, Constantine, excuse me, actually ascends to the throne during this particular period of time. And you'll remember Constantine took over the, the Roman Catholic Church uh, in approximately 300, which would be the end of the time of Smyrna. Remember the name means myrrh, which is sweet smell. The next church is Pergamon, and it covers the time period 300 to 800. And we begin to find a bad report because the church marries the world. The scriptures are chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Uh, and uh, papal domination takes over. Then we have a church called Thyatira. And it means continual married, uh, 800 to 1517. 1517 is 
primarily the end, uh, excuse me, the uh, uh, beginning of the Protestant Reformation. And uh, we get uh, uh, a, a, a bad report because during that particular time, the worship of Mary develops. Then we have 1517, the beginning of the Protestant Reformation to just before the rapture. And the Church of Sardis is described. And it means escaping brothers. Scriptures are chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And that's when the Reformation occurs. Uh, the, the church is alive, but uh, soon becomes dead uh, and ceases to perform the job they are to perform. And then, glory be, we have the rapture of the church, which is church, the church at Philadelphia, and is the only church that actually covers a point in time, uh, and it means loving brothers, Chapter 3 of the book of the Revelation, 7 through 13, it gets a good report, but it is a time of trial. And then we have Laodicea, and that's a bad report. Tribulation, it's the people ruling, covers the tribulation period. Chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Religion begins to prosper. So, David, now, if you would, take us back to chapter 1, and let's uh, see what we can discern. 1.1. All right, uh, Pastor Mark gave us an excellent designation of the seven churches, which will begin in chapter 2. So let's turn back to page 2, if you're following along in the outline, and we'll begin with chapter 1. Chapter 1 deals with the introduction, occasion, and person of the apocalypse and the scripture. This is what God showed to Jesus Christ, so that he could tell his servants what must happen soon. Christ then sent up angel with the message to his servant John. John related that which he heard from the angel of God. God will bless everyone who teaches this book. And he will bless everyone who listens and concentrates on that teaching. When the prophetic events begin, they will come in rapid-fire order. From John to the seven churches in Asia, I pray that you will be blessed with kindness and peace from the God, who is and was and is coming. May you receive kindness and peace from the sevenfold essence of God, the Holy Spirit, who is there before the throne of God. For those of you that are curious about what the sevenfold of nature of God, the Holy Spirit, take a look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, where the seven are listed. And continuing on with verse 5. May kindness and peace be yours from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Jesus was the first to conquer death. And he is the ruler of all earthly kings. Christ loves us, and by his spiritual death on the cross, he set us free from our sins. We will rule with him as kings and serve God the Father as priest. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. 
All right, let's, uh, David, let me make a comment here. We have uh, uh, begun now with a, a few scriptures by way of expanded translation. And uh, this will give us an idea of what is coming. The glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in uh, what John is told to write based upon what he sees. And that he does a good and wonderful job. So go ahead now, if you would, David, and continue. I'm sorry. You're not. Uh, continuing with verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Everyone will see him, even the ones who stuck a sword through him. All people on earth will weep because of him. Yes, it will happen. Amen. The Lord God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and who was and is coming. I am the sovereign and omnipotent God. I, John, am a follower of Christ just like you. We suffer because Jesus is our king, but he gives us the strength to endure. I was sent exiled to the island of Patmos because I preached God's message and was a faithful witness of Jesus. John was uh, actually exiled to Patmos, which is in the Aegean Sea, uh, as punishment because he preached the Lord Jesus Christ, did not preach what Rome wanted at that time. And he will remain there uh, until he completes the book of the Revelation. All right, Dave, excuse me. Verse 10. On the Lord's day, the Spirit took control of me. And behind me, I heard a loud voice that sounded like a trumpet. The voice said, write in a book what you see. Then send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And uh, we already described in very minimal detail the churches, but I would comment here that Smyrna... Pergamon, Thyatira, uh, we noted, we noted what was going on there and what it covered. And then with reference to Sardis, Sardis actually is the time period, covers the church during a time period that we exist in today. So this is us, so to speak. And then Philadelphia is a point in time, the only church that actually represents a point in time, and that's the point of the rapture. When the Lord himself shall descend from the heavens with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall ride first, the trumpet of God shall sound, and then we shall be caught up and meet him, uh, meet the various saints who preceded us in death in the air. And then Laodicea is the church during the tribulation period, which is a very rough time for believers. When I turn to see, and now let's, I'm going to read on now to verse 12 so you can follow along if you indeed have, an out, uh, <clears throat> have gone to the internet or you've made yourself a copy of our lesson plan. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. 
there amidst the lampstands was someone who seemed to be the Son of Man, that would be Jesus Christ. He was wearing a robe that reached down to his feet, and gold cloth was wrapped around his chest. Now that is a description of the uniform of a a, a Jewish priest during the time of the the uh, of, of what we would call uh, Sardis. Uh, and he goes on to say, his head and his hair were white as snow and his eyes looked like flames of fire. So you have Jesus Christ, and certainly including the Jew, because he is in Jewish garb. His feet were glowing like bronze, being heated in a furnace, and his voice sounded like the roar of a waterfall. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword was in his mouth. His face was shining as bright as the sun at noon. And remember, now John's been told to write what you see. So when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead person. But he put his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, but now I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys to death and the the world of the dead. Three things I want you to write about. What you now see. What will be in the future for the universal church. And then what will happen after the universal church has been translated to heaven at the rapture. I will explain the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the pastors of the seven churches and the lampstands are the seven churches listed in chapters 2 and 3. So, Dave, if you would now take over the book of the Revelation, chapter 2. All right. In chapters 2 and 3, we find a message, not only to seven extant churches located in Asia Minor, but interlaced in these chapters are seven historical trends to be experienced by the universal church during the church age. Ephesus. The Universal Church from A.D. 32 to 100. Revelations chapter, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the pastor of the church in Ephesus write, There are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you, and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the followers of Nicholas, with their heterodoxy and hierarchical distinctions, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let me take a little 
Let me take a look at Smyrna now, the universal church from 100 to 300 A.D. To the pastor of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last and who died and who came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for a short time. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. And I'd refer you to the doctrine of crowns, by the way, which David covered so well earlier in one of his uh, lessons during my illness. Who, excuse me, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. And the universal church from 300 to 800. To the pastor of the church at Pergamon write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not announce your faith in me even in the days of Antipas who persecuted the church. My faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. But I do have something against you. You have people there who hold to the teachings of Balaam. He was very devious as David taught you earlier in his Old Testament survey. Uh, he taught Balak to, to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes. I will give you the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Now, David, if you would, see what we can learn about Thyatira. Thyatira, the universal church from A.D. 800 to 1517. And like you'd mentioned earlier, 1517 is generally accepted year of the Reformation. Beginning with Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, to the pastor of the church in Thyatira, write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who represents the church at Rome, and calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead, that all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, 
and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you, Thyatira is to you who do not hold on to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. And who is he who overcomes, David? First John 5, 5. Him that believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hoorah. Amen. I will rule them with an iron scepter. I will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. I will, so I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now we go to chapter 3, Davis and Sardis. And who did I say Sardis was? Uh-oh, that's us. So now we have a personal message to the universal church from 1517 until today. Verse 1, to the pastor of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains, and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of the Father. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worried. He who overcomes, 1 John 5, 5, will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and our angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And now the church at Philadelphia, which is the only church that refers to a time, a point in time, the rapture of the church. So David, have at it. Tell us about the rapture of the church. Starts at Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It reads, To the pastor of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who determines who are his at the rapture. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, those who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge I have loved you. This will be done on earth at the marriage feast of the Lamb when I return. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I, also, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. You will not experience the trauma of the tribulation. I am coming soon. 
Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crowns. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And now for that awful tribulation, represented by Laodicea. Verse 14, the pastor of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Oh, I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, so you can become rich and white clothes to wear, so you can cover your shameful nakedness and uh, salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. And then we have our chart that we've already explained, uh, which will be a good time of review uh, so that you can better understand what you have just heard John describe when he wrote as God had informed him, write what you see. All right, and now for the book of the Revelation, chapter 4. Now, chapters 4 and chapter 5 describe something that's going on in heaven, and it's quite interesting. Uh, and uh, it's uh, uh, like, for example, in chapter 5, I find that uh, the uh, somewhat puzzling but interesting where Jesus is giving us. Uh, a seal, and he can't find anybody that can, excuse me, not Jesus, but one of the saints up there, maybe you, maybe me, uh, can't find uh, anybody that can open it. And then we have someone say, wait, wait, there's someone up here already who can open that. And uh, that's the little lamb, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes and opens up the seven seals. And the seven seals represent seven significant traumas that are going to occur uh, on the earth during the tribulation period. And that's uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5. David, how about reading us chapter 4 and 5, and let's see what's going on in heaven just before the uh, events described. All right. 
Revelation chapter 4, got 11 verses, and it's right at the top of page 7. After the warnings announced to the church of Laodicea, I looked and seriously pondered what I saw. A door in the third heaven was open and purposefully left open, apparently so I could hear and see what was transpiring. Then I heard a voice. At first it sounded like a trumpet. The sound broke what was formerly an eerie silence. I then found myself engaged in a conversation with the trumpet. Come up here at once, and I will show you the things which must take place after the church age. Immediately I found myself under the absolute control of the Holy Spirit. I was commanded to consider what I heard and saw. A throne had been placed right in the middle of the third heaven, and there was one seated on the throne. And he who was seated was in appearance like a jasper stone, Benjamin's, and a sardius, Reuben's, and encircling the throne there was a ring of light which was like an emerald, Judah's, all of which portrayed Christ at the right side of the Father as the son of David. A very Jewish scene. Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob, Benjamin, the lastborn son of Jacob, and Judah, the fourthborn son of Jacob, and the tribe from which Christ came. And encircling the throne, there were 24 elders sitting as rulers. The elders were clothed in white garments, and upon their heads were golden crowns. The elders represented the raptured saints of the church age. They were all decked out in their uniforms of glory, proudly wearing their crowns, which had earlier been awarded at the Bema. David, these are the raptured saints, those uh, described at that point in time, and the Bema, of course, is the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. And out from the throne proceeded lightnings and voices and thunders, a, a, a picture of the power and sovereignty of God. There were seven blazing torches burning uh, before the throne. These represented the seven spirits of God to portray the omnipresence of God the Holy Spirit. And before the throne there were, was, as it were, a glassy sea-like crystal, a picture of peace and stability, the personification of still waters that only an omnipotent God can bring. And in the midst of the throne were four angels, full of eyes in front and in back, the first angel was like a lion, the second like a calf, and the third had a face like that of a man. The creatures represented the ministering spirits who watched over God's beloved. The fourth angel was like an eagle, and each of the angels had six wings, and even their wings were full of eyes, and they rested neither day nor night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, Blessed is the Christ who was and who is and who is coming. These beasts were constantly praising the Father and giving thanks for, for the one who sat on the throne, the one who liveth forever. The four and twenty elders, the saints who had been raptured, fell down before him who sat on the throne, and they worshipped him who liveth forever and ever. As part of their worship, 
They were casting their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for your pleasure and purpose were created. It's interesting there that uh, we don't take credit for the crowns that we were rewarded at the Baba uh, because we give credit to where credit should be given to God himself. Now then, so much for that chapter which describes something going on in heaven, but that's not all because chapter 5 will also describe that which goes on in heaven. So 4 and 5 describe that which goes on in heaven. And then we'll move to chapter 6, which begins actually uh, those things which are take going to take place with emphasis on events. All right, David, go for chapter 5. Chapter 5. Bottom of page 7 is where I'm starting, verse 1. And there, sitting on the throne, was God the Father, and in his right hand was a scroll. There was writing on both sides of the scroll, but the scroll itself was sealed by seven wax seals. And I saw a large angel fly around the throne. The size and strength of the angel was impressive. He landed upon the Father's throne and shouted with a loud voice in an urgent tone. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is able to break its seals? Sadly, there was nothing but silence in heaven, what what today we call crickets. There was no one found, either in heaven or earth or under the earth, who would even approach the scroll. There was neither angel nor man worthy enough to open the scroll. I began to weep audibly, openly and profusely, because no one was found worthy. And one of the church-age saints said to me, Stop weeping and consider this. There is one man from the lion tribe, the tribe of Judah, the son of David, who by his victory on the cross has earned the right to open the scroll. He and he alone can break the seven seals. It was then that I saw a diminutive lamb. The young lamb looked as if it had been slain. The Lamb was in the center of the throne room, surrounded by the four special angels and the church-age saints. The Lamb was in the center of the throne room, surrounded by the four special angels and the church-age saints. The Lamb had seven horns representing his perfect kingdom, which was purchased by his perfect work. The Lamb had seven eyes, representing the Holy Spirit earlier sent into the world to assist and glorify him. Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, boldly approached the throne and took the scroll out of the right hand of God the Father. And when the Lamb took the scroll, the four living beings, four special angels, and the twenty-four elders, representing all the translated saints, fell down before the Lamb. Each raptured believer of the church age was holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense which represented the prayers of all of God's children. And the church age saints sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seven seals, because as the Lamb of God you died spiritually to redeem mankind. 
those availing themselves of his redemption, came out from every tribe and language and people and nation. There were believers from all walks of life and nationalities entering the gates of heaven. And I heard someone say, You have made them a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign with Christ on the earth. And I saw and heard the voice of many nondescript angels, the four special angels and church-age saints who were too numerous to count. They exclaimed in unison with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. By his victory on the cross, he has earned the right to rule. To him be riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory. And every created being in the heavens and on the earth and under the earth and upon the sea were heard to exclaim, To him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be the honor and the glory and the power forever and ever. And the four living beings repeatedly cried out, Amen, 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 Amen. And the church-age saints fell down and worshipped the Christ, who lives forever and ever. Now we move to chapter 6, which we will probably do uh, soon. But uh, it's the most important chapter because chapter 6 through chapter 11 describes the events of the tribulation with emphasis on the events themselves, whereas uh, we will find when we begin chapter 12, it will go all the way through chapter 12, but when we get to chapter 12, we'll have the same events described, but with emphasis on the characters, and that's what helps us understand the book of the Revelation. Again, we thank you for listening and being being here with us today, happy Mother's Day. I'm going to give, give you a secret. I've got Leslie, my wife, her Mother's Day gift. You know, we've moved out into the country. So nothing says happy Mother's Day like a Carhartt t-shirt. So happy Mother's Day to all y'all out there, and I hope y'all did better than she did. Again, appreciate you listening. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So long.